am aware of the seriousness of standing here and, and teaching and preaching. And, um, you know, James tells us there's, there's a greater uh, accountability to those who preach and teach the word. And, um, and the scripture also tells us that we're submit. Those who preach and teach are to submit. The prophets submit to the prophets. And, and the thing about Jill and I's time here at Calvary Chapel is we really appreciate the people here. And we really, I personally feel just there's good, godly people here and people that, that I can submit to, and, and I appreciate that. And that's just, that's my heart And uh, in terms of speaking here tonight. The other thing is, and, um, and this is what I hope can come across in what I feel like the Lord's given me to say, and that is this. I love when, and, and can remember as a new believer, when God took truth and applied it to my heart. That something that was real, something that was living, something that was freeing, something that I needed, and that that um, I didn't know how bad I needed it, and I didn't know how to understand what I needed, and I didn't know how to articulate what I needed. And um, those moments have happened for me multiple times, and they're wonderful. And I don't know if that will happen for anyone tonight, but that would be my prayer. That would be my desire, that the word that we look at here tonight would be for all of you, for, and me included, because I really enjoyed the preparation. Uh, something real, something fresh, manna from heaven, something the Holy Spirit gives you and makes real to you. So that's just my heart tonight while I'm standing up here. Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And um, we'll start with that, reading God's Word and the text that we're going to look at tonight. So Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll start with verse 1. And I'm going to read through verse 14. So Hebrews 12, 1 through 14. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you've forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. 
For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak, and the knees that are feeble, and make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Let's pray. Father, what a blessing and a joy it is to look at your word here tonight. And Father, our desire is that you'd speak to us by the power of your spirit, that you'd, you'd dwell here among us, you'd take your word, the truth of your word, and apply it to our hearts. And give us something, Father, that will benefit us for all eternity and, and uh, that will encourage us even right now where we're at in our walk with you. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Are there passages of Scripture that scare you? Especially if you've been reading the Bible for a while. It sounds kind of funny to ask that question, doesn't it? You wouldn't think we would be scared of reading God's Word, right? It's for our benefit. Well, I have to be honest. There are portions of Scripture that cause me to tremble on the inside when I read. Cause me to wonder. And kind of be afraid that what I think that Scripture might mean if it really means that, uh, isn't going to be something that's going to sound maybe very good at the time, right? There's that, there's that thing in there that's saying, you know, you might not like what you think you're going to hear when you read this. And I always kind of feel ashamed when I think that way because I know God's Word is, is for me, after all, and that... I should, as a Christian, be willing to submit, and I believe, and I am, and I believe every Christian is willing to submit to God's Word. But sometimes we come across Scripture, we might have that twinge of, wow, I don't know if I'm going to want to hear this right now. Um, and, and that might be because we have need of repentance, or there could be any reason for that. But I think sometimes that that feeling can be there, because the devil is right there to, to put just enough misunderstanding in the scripture that you're reading to cause you to want to skip over it or not look at it and not receive the benefit that God has for you in reading that, in that scripture. And this passage of scripture has been that way at times for me. There's kind of some scary things in here for me. For example, uh, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 1, Lay aside 
every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles you. It, it kind of makes it sound like, well, piece of cake, right? Just lay it aside. Take that sin and just don't have anything to do with it anymore. And sometimes I look at my life and my walk in a day and I think, wow, have I been able to do that? Is that it, sounds, it sounds harder than just lay it aside. Or the idea that God disciplines us. And, I mean, he, he gets serious here. He, he talks about discipline and how discipline's for the children of God. Unless, of course, you're not being disciplined. And if you're not being disciplined, well, then you're not a son, right? You may say you're a son. You may act, try to act like a son. But if you're not being dealt with by God, uh, the way he says here, the writer of Hebrews says, you're, you're not a Christian. You're not in, right? That's kind of scary to look at that and ha- that examination to say, well, well, where, I, where am I? Where am I with God in this? And um, another portion here is at the very end where he says, uh, without sanctification, no one will see the Lord. Well, I mean, are we supposed to be perfect? What does that mean, right? Without the sanctification, without which no one will see the Lord. So I think hopefully when we get through looking at this section of Scripture that what we'll find is instead of something to be afraid of, that for the true child of God, it's something to, to, be, to rejoice in and to, to hold as our own a truth that will help us to walk with God. So let's begin looking at it. He starts out, the writer of Hebrews here, starts out by telling us we're running a race. We're in a race. And that's the analogy. I was kind of surprised Pastor Tom didn't mention Hebrews 12 on Sunday. He, he mentioned a whole bunch of a whole bunch of sections about uh, athletics. And I thought, oh, I was waiting because I knew I was working this. I thought, okay, he's going to say something about Hebrews chapter 12. And he didn't mention it at all. So, and that's okay, but I, I was kind of thinking he might. And it's a race that we're to run with endurance, verse 1. He, he, he says to lay aside our encumbrances, our sin that entangles us, and run with endurance the race that's set before us. It's, it's a race of endurance. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Right? It's not the 50-yard dash. It's 26 miles. We're, we're in this thing to the end. And, and that's what he's done for us. It says here the race that is set before us. It's not the race we pick necessarily. It's the race that God's picked for us. So we're running a race that God has set out before us. And we need to run it with endurance. And he tells us, that the first thing we need to do in this race is look to Jesus. Look at his race. He ran a race. And so let's look to him and look at his race. And really, I think we could say, in essence, his race is like our race. Now, it's not exactly the same because we're not God. We're all man, mankind. We're all man, but we're not all God. And we're certainly not sinless. Right, like Jesus was. But we are, in essence, running the race, facing the same things. Let's look at Jesus. He's the pattern from start to finish. And it says here in uh, 
Verse 2, he endured. We, we see how he endured in this race, which is what we're called to do, right? He, he starts out by saying, run with endurance. The race is set before you. Well, Jesus, in his race, he endured. Now, he, he was sinless, but he wasn't without struggle is kind of the point here. So what did he endure? Well, he endured the cross. The place where sin was faced and its power was done away with or overcome. He endured the cross. He went there to overcome sin. In our race, we're facing sin, right? We, we see this here later in the text when we get there. We're facing sin. Jesus faced sin. He overcame. We're facing sin. Now, we, we're not going to literally go to the cross like he did. That was a particular about him. Well, what else did he endure? He endured the shame. He endured actually despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. The shame is the place where guilt was faced by the Lord and justice was satisfied. So in other words, shame comes from guilt and Jesus took that guilt for us. Not only did he take care of the power of sin, but he took care of the shame of the guilt that that sin required through just the justice of God. And he endured the hostility of sinners against himself, says. And the place that's the place where injust, the injustice of others was faced by the Lord. The injustice of others. Um, and he met that with forgiveness and love for his enemies. He knew that his battle wasn't flesh and blood. It wasn't those people, the injustice of those sinners at his trial and uh, his scourging and, and all the way to the cross. There was this injustice of sinners that he faced, but he endured that and he endured it without sin. So we see the Lord enduring the cross, enduring shame, enduring the hostility of sinners against himself and in, in the race that he, that he was in. And there was a prize for him in verse 2. He said he endured the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, uh, as he was for that joy that was set before him, he endured, he endured the cross and all those things that he might be seated by the right hand of God. And we're to look to him. We're to consider him in our race the things that he did there, we're to look at those things. Why? So that we don't grow weary, verse 3, so that we don't grow weary and lose heart. And that was the danger of these Hebrew Christians. They were wanting to give up. They were wanting to go back. And the writer of Hebrews spent the whole of chapter 11 saying, look, look at all these people that had a race. Look at all these people, Abraham and Sarah and Moses and... um, David and and all this list of the heroes of faith, they had a race and they had to endure. And that's what we need to do. We need to endure. And we look to Jesus so we don't grow weary and lose heart. I feel like that, that the encouragement or the goody for me here is this race. What is happening for us in this race? Just like Jesus, we're facing sin. Just like Jesus, 
where there's, there's shame and guilt to overcome. Just like Jesus, there's the hostility of sinners against us. And so what is God teaching us in this race? Well, I think what we need to do is get in our head what this race is about. Part of it is about demonstrating. It, it's a race of demonstration. It's a race to show that just like Jesus overcame, we can overcome as his children. So, it's, so these witnesses are around here not just to encourage us, but to see. Are, are they going to make it? Is Greg going to make it? Is Mark going to make it? Is he going to is he going to endure to the end? Is he going to go through this race and get there? So it's a it's a race of demonstration of the world. We've got people looking at us and they want to know if we're the real deal. They want to know if are we just religious? Are we just out for you know whatever reason being religious might mean today? Or are we really wanting to serve and follow the Lord? And so there's that aspect of the race. But what I feel like is the most encouraging or can be for us is is this that the race is a training ground for us and that's where we get into this next section section of scripture this race that we're running that's the long haul that includes us having to face sin and face sinners and face ourselves right our own shortcomings and and where we are in our walk with the Lord, it's a training ground. It's really a race of discipline. In fact, I titled the message, Endure for Discipline. Because that's what he says here in verse 7. It is for discipline that you endure. That's why you're enduring. You're enduring because of this race. And so the writer of the Hebrews here, starting in verse 4, he kind of picks it up. He says, you need to be encouraged in verse 3. You need to be encouraged not grow weary, not lose heart. You need to endure. You need to look at Jesus. Look what he did. Look what he went through. And then he begins. And he's not actually, uh, he's not, he doesn't, he's not soft in treating us when we read this, is he? He says in verse 4, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Right? It's almost like he's saying, Come on, pick it up, right? Get get in this race. Act like you know. It's, you need to toughen up. You need to get after it. Look at Jesus. Jesus shed his blood in his race of enduring sin and enduring the shame of the cross and sinners and the hostility of sinners. He says you need to pick it up. And and here's something that has been kind of a confusion to me at times. He says here in verse 4, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin. There's this idea of resisting and striving, effort, work against sin. In other words, the sin that so easily entangles us. Right? In verse 1 he says, lay it aside. In verse 4 he says, strive. Right? Uh, resist if you want to know what the, the true resistance is it's resistance our resistance against sin and he's saying you need to pick it up in this area you 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 know don't be weak and frail you need to get strong you need to 
You need to really work at this thing. I, <clears throat> I really believe, um, well, before I get to that, let, let, let me share a verse with you. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, let me just read it for you. Paul says in Galatians, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and there's the key, really. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. And Galatians 5 is a really good sanctification chapter, along with some others that I'll mention. If you want to study sanctification and growth in grace and conformity to the image of Christ, this is good. But what these two verses are telling us is there's a war going on. God doesn't just save us and then take everything away. And we live this life where there's no struggle. No, it almost at times seems like it's the opposite. Well, he doesn't leave us ignorant. There's a reason. That Holy Spirit that he put within us is fighting. And this, uh, this phrase here, the flesh sets its desire against. Some translations you may have says it lusts against. Right? The flesh lusts against the spirit. Spirit against the flesh. And I'm not a Greek scholar and I'm not real smart. But I did use my concordance. <laughs> and... Uh, and and really the idea there is it, it's a it's a desire against so it's it's almost like a warfare it doesn't really use that word warfare but that's that's kind of what we're in here we're in this race and it's a battle it's a warfare because there's this there's this struggle between the flesh and the spirit now we're not schizophrenic okay there's not two of us in here, and we never know whether we're going to be Jekyll or Hyde. That's not the idea. The idea is I am I'm a new creation, and that new creation is battling against the fleshly influences that I still can have through this body that's not redeemed. Okay? And so there's this battle. There's this struggle. And so that's why he says... You haven't yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And look, you need to, this is a battle. We need to look at it that way. It's an endurance race where we're going to be training. We're going to be disciplining. We're going to be battling because that's what's required of us as, as believers. And then he goes on and says, uh, verse 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you, as sons. Now this is really important to me. Because we are not God's punching bag. That is a lie from the devil. We are not God's punching bag. He isn't sitting around waiting for you to trip up again in the same sin that you've been battling for weeks or months or years. So that he can beat you over the head and say, see I knew you were going to mess up again. That is not God. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And we should not believe it. Because it, it hinders us. What we are is sons and daughters. Okay, <laughs> Sons in the, in the generic sense. 2 Corinthians 5.17 
Therefore, if any man, anyone, is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's not a half creature. Okay? God didn't make you kind of a half really good and a half kind of broken and fallen. And, and, and No, you are a new creature on the inside, all of you. That's what you are. And we need to believe that about ourselves because that's what's really true about us. We are really new creatures. The old things have passed away and the new things have come. Okay? There, there is this sense in every believer, in which they're not like they were before. And God brings us to a point where we begin to realize that. To some, it's, it's, it's a bolt of lightning. To others, it's gradual. But the reality is, you begin to realize, I'm different on the inside. And God made me that way. And that's what's true about every believer. Um, Romans 6, I like this, Romans 6, by the way, Romans 6, 7, and 8 have a lot of good stuff about sanctification in it too, if you want to jot that down, a good set of chapters to read. It's not all about sanctification, but there's a lot of good stuff in there we can learn. And Paul says, knowing this, that our old self, or old man, was crucified with Christ, with him that our body of sin might be done away with. Now, that's an important phrase. There's nothing sinful. My, my little finger's not inherently sinful, but my body, my flesh, is fallen. That's true, and it's still true. We've not been redeemed completely because we don't have our new body. But Jesus... Um, in his crucifixion, our old man was crucified with him that our body of sin might be done away with. Or the margin in the New American says made powerless. That done away with is made powerless. God neuters the power of the flesh of our sinful nature on the cross when, when Jesus died. And when we trusted Christ, it's as if we were crucified with him, and he makes that, uh, that part of us, as the old man, powerless, done away with. As if it didn't exist almost. I mean, we can say that. We can think of ourselves that way. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who died is freed from sin. When you're looking at somebody laying in a casket... They cannot sin. Right? They're dead. There is no way they can sin. They're dead. That's the way we should look at ourselves. We have died with Christ. And the reality about us is that power of sin has been done away with. Uh, Verse 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And... Paul's saying, think of yourselves, just as we're to consider Jesus and his race, we're to consider what we are in Christ. Okay. Now, I've tried to be strong on that because it's true. It's true. But I can hear you say, well, Brother Mark, <laughs> but I just yelled at my kids today. I just sent an email, and this is really true. I just sent an email today that I'm going to have to go ask forgiveness for tomorrow when I go back to work. 
What about those things? What about all those things that we still struggle with? What about this striving? What about all that? Well, that's why we're in the race. That's why we're in the race. We aren't trying to reach perfection, for example, in the Wesleyan sense, right? When, when you hear, and, and I love John Wesley and I love Wesleyan Christians, they're wonderful, but John Wesley believed you could reach this point where you didn't sin anymore. And, and that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about working and striving and, and building up a pile of something that I can give to God and say, See God, now I'm, I've arrived. I'm perfect. I got there. This is it. That's not the way we should look at ourselves either because that's not true. Yes, we're new creatures, but we're still in this body. So what's God doing? God is teaching us through the Spirit to overcome the flesh. And the reason we can do that is because He's made us somebody brand new inside and He's taken the flesh and He's neutered it. Okay, He's cut the power. So, the point of the race is what He's talking about here. My son... Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. God's going to discipline us. Now, that word discipline, as I I can see through the concordance, it's related to child rearing. Okay, It really is a word related to child rearing, but the context is he's talking to us as children, right? As sons. But it's not in our household when our great big tall strapping boys were a little bitty down here like this, when we used the word discipline, they knew what it meant. It was a dowel rod about that long and about that big around. And it was the board of education was applied to the seat of learning for them when it needed to be. And we used the word discipline. Well, there's that aspect, but it's more than that. It's more like training because uh, the writer of Hebrews uses that word in verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, it's training. See, it's not just afterwards it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. It, it's training. It's learning. And, and the writer of the Hebrews says, don't regard lightly. Don't just slough it off. Oh, yeah, Dad. Oh, yeah, yeah right, right, right. I got it. I got it. No, no, no. We're supposed to take it seriously, this discipline that we're getting nor faint when you are reproved by him. Now, this is, this is more like the spanking right here, this reproved, okay? And, and we can be tempted to just, okay, well, I just, I messed up again. And, and, not, and not learn, because the whole point of what God's doing in this race is the discipline of learning to overcome in the Spirit. That's, that's what God's teaching here, and that's, I, I think. And that's what's encouraging. We don't have to look at God's discipline as, oh, no, I'm going to get, oh, no, I'm going to do something and get disciplined again. No, that's not what it is. It's God is teaching me. He's training me. 
I've written down here, we endure the battle with sin to learn to overcome. The picture, I kind of, even though that's, the picture we have here is a race and God dealing with us as sons, but the picture that came to my mind, and I've never been in the military, was special ops, right? Because what they're training to do is life and death for them and maybe for others if they're going to rescue people or whatever. They are disciplined. They are disciplined in what they learn. They are disciplined in their physical uh, health and well-being. They are disciplined in what they do wrong. Not because it's fun to, to punish, so to speak, but because it's very serious. It's serious. And what, we're, what they're learning and being trained to do is to function in a way that's going, to, that's going to be useful and get something done. And that's exactly what God is doing for us. He, I don't know how you all have thought of sin in your life, but for so long for me it's just been a thing of, it's just, I, it's there and I'm going to have to deal with it. It's almost a give up thing. And I ask the Lord's forgiveness, and there's been there's victory. There are there is victory. I don't want to make it sound like there isn't, because there is. Some things God just take, deals with like that. Other things are a struggle. But what's encouraging to me out of here is that God is teaching us. We are learning to walk in the Spirit. Galatians five is another really good sanctification chapter. If you want to study that chapter, Galatians five. What's the fruit of this? There's the flesh. Well, what is it? It's all these rotten things. I don't even need to name them for you. They're all there. You can read them in Galatians 5. But then there's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what we're supposed to walk in. That's what we overcome sin with. That's what the discipline's for. That's what the training is for. That's what God's doing for us. I want to go back to that. The sin that easily entangles us. The sin that easily entangles us. Have you ever said, oh, about something that's easy, oh, that's so hard to do. Something that's really easy for you. No, it's easy. That's why it's right? I mean, I know I'm stating the obvious. Is it hard to stop doing things that are hard? Is it hard to stop doing calculus? Not for me. Is it hard to stop, you know, fill in the blank. The things that are hard for us are easy to get rid of, right? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the dishes so they stack up. I don't want to mow the lawn so the grass gets tall. The things that are hard I don't want to do are easy to not do. The things that are easy for us are hard to put off. It's a battle. It's a struggle because it becomes easy. I remember thinking one time, you know, if it wasn't for this thing or this person or this circumstance, I wouldn't sin in this area. Well, you know what? That's the place of training. So years ago, I worked in a hospital. And I'm going to have to be quiet. Tom looked at me and said, you know, now 40 minutes. (laughs) I said, okay, brother, I'll try. 
I went to work at a hospital. I was in IT. I went to work at a hospital, and the lady that I replaced moved into the business office. She was in my face constantly telling me how I wasn't doing this right, and I needed to do that, and I needed to do something else. And believe me, I will never forget Jesse. And I had to go and ask her forgiveness. I don't think she had ever had anyone ask her forgiveness for anything that they had done to her. I don't think she had. Though it was God's grace. But what I'm saying is it was hard. And I kept, I'd go home from work thinking, why do I have to work with Jesse? Lord, why is she there? Because she brought out the sin that so easily entangled me. Now, she wasn't trying to do that. She didn't know that, right? It wasn't her fault. But that's who God used, okay? What was that? That wasn't somebody to be shunned, right? It wasn't somebody. That was my training ground. God was disciplining me. He was teaching me how to overcome, how to walk in the Spirit in this thing that's right in my face that I don't like, right? We can, we can, we can wax philosophical and talk about a lot of things, but I'm talking about think of the thing that's right there in front of your face right now. Might be me. I don't know. Hopefully not. But, but the, that's where God's training us. That's, that's the discipline. That's the training ground. <clears throat> so much so that he says in verse 8, if we're not being disciplined, we're not a son. In other words, we are in this long marathon and we are to endure like Jesus did. And what did he do? He faced all these things and he overcame them. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. But in the process, we have to learn. We have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We have to to learn to walk in the spirit. Because we didn't, some of us for a long time, our gut reaction was sin, right? Somebody snaps at me, what am I going to (laughs) do? I'm going to get them back, right? I'm going to get even. That's not the spirit. That's not the way. So we learn. God's teaching us. He isn't sitting there going, oh, I'm going to put this thing in Mark Noah's life because when it comes up, I get to beat him up. That's from the devil. See, that's the lie of the devil. God's for us. He's training us. But if he's not training us, he says here, we're, we're illegitimate. And so that's still hard. I have to say that's hard. That's a hard thing to say. But for the sake of our souls and for the sake of eternity, we need to examine ourselves. We need to look and say, is God treating me as a son? Right? Not just am I getting spanked. Sometimes you know, you can say, well, that's a good thing. You know, God spanked me, that's good, he loves me. But it's more than that. It's, 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 is he working in my life? Is he shaping? Is he molding? Is he, is he doing things that, boy, I don't like, but when I get through it, there's a benefit. Look at verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time, that is, our earthly fathers, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good. God's putting those things in our lives to train us for our good. Not for us to wallow in whatever, shame and guilt. And No, he, it's, it's for our good. It strengthens us. We grow. 
that we might share his holiness. Now that word holiness, it's like glory. Both of those words are, to me, really hard words in the Bible to find out what exactly what they mean. So I'm not even going to attempt it. But here's the amazing thing. Something, holiness is something that's unique to God. And we get to share that. He's working in our lives so we can have that. And I think another encouragement is, is sometimes it's not fun, verse 11. Sometimes it's just not fun. But after we've been trained, what does it do? I love this phrase, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. See, he, he does that for us. We really are going to walk more like God. Now, we, <clears throat> we can't brag about it like, look what I did, but we can't go around acting like, oh, well, I'm just going to sin, and that's just the way it is, and I can't help it. No, God is working to, to produce in us the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's his desire for us. That's his good for us that he wants. So what does he do? He goes on. He says, you need a strategy. <clears throat> you need a strategy. <clears throat> Sorry. Verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. I can guarantee you, if you're struggling with a sin, there's, there is a wheelbarrow full of verses that you can memorize to help you with that sin. Call on the Lord. Look for truth in His Word. It's there. And you're, you're going to find it by reading it a little bit every day or as often as you can. My wife, I'm not a morning person, we had three kids. She homeschooled. When do I have time? Whenever it is. If it's three days a week for five minutes, God will give it to you. He will give it. He's a great big God. Bigger than we can imagine. But you have to be pursuing. You have to be enduring. You have to be running. You have to look in His Word. Look in His Word. If you've got, a, if you've got something you're training in, you know this is my training ground right here. Look for truth in His Word. Talk to Him. I want to tell you, after I became a Christian, here's, here was a revelation to me. I could talk to God about anything I wanted. All the bad stuff, all the good stuff, all the stuff I didn't understand, all the stuff that was confusing, all the things that I didn't know. Who was I going to marry someday? What was, where should my job be? There is nothing too big, too small, too trivial or too massive that God can't handle. And we need to be talking to Him. Strengthen those knees. Strengthen the hands to read the Word. Strengthen those knees to pray. Because that's part of the discipline. That's part of the training. Those guys that are out there running those courses that they run to get strong, you know, <laughs> they've got tools. They've got devices, right, that make them strong. Sometimes we even need to think about rehab, and we need to rehab correctly, right? Make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. There may be things that you see some other brother in Christ do that, or sister in Christ 
that they can do. And they need to be really cognizant because there's other brothers and sisters. They can't. In fact, they shouldn't. Because if they go down that path, they're going to put that limb back out of joint. And they shouldn't be taking that path. If you know you're struggling with something and you're looking in God's Word and you're praying, don't put yourself in a position to take this weak spot in your life and destroy it. Don't go down that way. Pick paths for yourself that, where you're going to heal, where you're going to grow, where you're going to learn, where you, where you begin to apply the fruit of the Spirit to that place in your life. And finally, yes, we're getting to the end. Pursue being set apart. This used to bother me. Really did. Verse 14, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification, or I think the King James or other versions, the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. My, I've got to have enough holiness so that I can see the Lord? I mean, I'm sorry, that's scary. (laughs) I can't do that. You know, some people might think they can't. I couldn't. I read read that and I'm going, I I can't do that. But that's not what he's talking about. This word sanctification, it can be translated holiness and there's the idea of holiness, but it's more the idea of consecration. It's the idea of being set apart for a a holy purpose, right? So you, you sanctified the vessels in the temple. That, that's kind of a picture for us, right? We, they have a gold bowl in the temple to catch the blood. Well, that gold bowl was sanctified to God's purpose. As you run the race and embrace the discipline and training of the Lord, you will become like Him. And that is setting you apart... From, from others that don't know Him. He's making you more like Himself. So when the writer of the Hebrews says, pursue the sanctification without which no man will see the Lord, what he's saying is, follow Christ. Walk in the Spirit. Overcome the flesh. Learn to... Learn to walk with God like Esau. And you're going to be sanctified. See that? And, and God's the one doing it in you. I mean, we, we're involved, right? I mean, it's this mystery. We're involved, but, it, but it's not, like Tom said, we're not picking ourselves up by our bootstraps, right? God is working in us. That, to me, that puts that verse in a completely different light. The writer of the Hebrews isn't saying, now you've got to make yourself as holy as you can so God will receive you that's not what he's saying he's saying walk with god walk with god overcome the flesh overcomes the spirit overcomes the flesh in these areas you be you're you're growing in grace and in the knowledge of the lord you're being conformed to the image of christ all those terms and i don't have time to read it i really wanted to but paul has two chapters where he basically teaches the same thing colossians chapter 3 and ephesians chapter 4 And he says, put off the old man. Put on the new. Put on the new man. There is a sense in which this first verse, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, there is a sense in which 
we, it is that easy. Because as we're walking in the Spirit, and as we are trained and disciplined to walk in the Spirit, those things become easy to put off because we don't want them anymore. Right? We don't want them in our lives anymore. And we're not struggling with them. Well, <clears throat> what grace and mercy and love God bestows upon us, right? As we're running this race. We're running a race for Him. We're enduring. We're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Here's the thing that's amazing. He births us from above. He puts a new spirit within us. He renders the flesh powerless in the face of our exercising the fruit of the Spirit. The flesh will not overcome you walking in the Spirit. God's made us a new creature. And He's placed within us, the Spirit He's placed within us, and He leads us in a way that will teach us to overcome what used to be in our lives in order to be set apart and consecrated as a vessel for His use. And that's what this race is. And I can get excited about that. And it's not fun. Sometimes it's sorrowful. But good. He's going to do good for me. He's, I'm going to partake of His holiness. He's going to give me the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And in the end, I get to spend... In the end. That's why I think Paul in Romans 8 glories in the redemption of his body. It, when you get to Romans 8, there's this little section in there. He talks about the redemption of his body. And that's because once we're out of this body, folks, and we're out of this world, God has got a place for us where there is nothing but righteousness, nothing but God and all that He is and all that He has for us. And so what a joy. Training, discipline, and chastening will never be complete, I'm sorry to say, until we endure to the end. But the encouragement is there's growth and there's victory and there's overcoming. And that's exactly what God's trying to do with us. So endure. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Be encouraged. We are sons. We are sons of God. That's what we are. And he loves us right now. And he's working to bring us to glory. So let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this word and we just ask for your blessing on it and your encouragement. And uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for every work of grace that you've done in our hearts. We thank you that for every struggle and every trial and every opportunity to be trained and disciplined that we might walk in the Spirit and we might put off the old man, put on the new. And so help us, Father, tonight. Help each one of us meet us, Lord. I just pray you'd move by your Spirit. Show us where we need to, to walk and overcome and help us to do that. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.